Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream is a total chocolate game changer. We start with unbelievably creamy dark chocolate ice cream. Then we add different chocolate treats, like chocolate cookies, chocolate cake, or chocolate brownies to make four decadent chocolate flavors. Because sometimes the thing that pairs best with chocolate <laughs> is more chocolate. Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream. Extraordinary Dairy. And we are back with an all-new episode of Keep It, maybe the first official episode of Keep It 2022, because I'm Ira Madison III, and I am finally joined by everybody. Woof. Ah! And including her? Including her? (laughs) Hello! I'm Aida Osman. What's up? Oh my God. Trios reunited. And I controversially remain Louis Vertel, even in spite of the ever changing lineup here. We're like Fleetwood Mac. How are you feeling, Louis, after having to host two episodes by yourself? I'm incredibly cocky. I don't need either of you, and I'm ready to, uh, I don't know, nothing. It turns out I have no improvisational skills, so I need you. Who knew? I sense a coup coming. I sense a coup coming. Who knew a white man could hold down the workforce? I, I right. I've been I've been waiting for us to step up, and finally we did. Yeah. White labor in 2022. <laughs> That's what we're exploiting. <laughs> I was saying earlier, I accidentally had the first all white episode of Keep It a couple of weeks ago, which is not a milestone, but it did happen. <laughs> <laughs> On our show, it is. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, it, it was it was lovely. You know, I, I enjoyed you all talking about hummus, and <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And Mary and Mary Lou Henner. Yes. Oh, ketchup that came <laughs> up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we are all back. Aida is alive. You've you've hello. Uh, you've returned to America. Made it up, oh, guys. Guys, the stories I have. I've I don't know who knows, but I had to go back home to handle some affairs. And by home, I don't mean Nebraska, I mean the continent of Africa. And I was in Eritrea for a couple of weeks with my family. And I already told the boys this, but you guys should know we are never getting out of this pandemic as long as people are selling fake negative COVID tests in Istanbul. <laughs> and then also countries are giving false positives to up the tourism rates in their country and trap hundreds of people. In their hotels. Guys, we're never leaving. We're never leaving the pandemic. Wow. That's mm. like real paranoid thriller shit. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, you've also got um, here in New York, um, you know, um, Sarah Palin running around um, doing indoor dining with her positive ass. Right. Which oh, my God. I want to point out, too, it's not just her. And I want you all listening at home to look deep into your soul, deep into your Instagram, deep into Mm. your phone (laughs) contacts. Call some bitches out. Because I want to say, I maybe know three people who tested positive for COVID and were still out and about. Did a front handspring Mm. right to the deli. I I feel like it's not just the... um, exhaustion from covid you know like we, baby we all exhausted okay <laughs> yeah. you know some of us so you know some of us have been working through this entire time too you know so like we we are i'm feeling like a single mother okay right yeah <laughs> um but i want to say that like 
I think the addition of the vaccines, right, and boosters, mm-hmm. where now people literally feel like, oh, everyone's just going to get Omicron, uh, and it's not as dire as putting you in the hospital as um, it was like original recipe COVID in 2020, mm-hmm. uh, when I can't believe I was leaving the house, right. uh, even to go mm-hmm. to the grocery store. Um, now people feel like if it's just going to be that, you know, like we might as well just, you know, pop out to a dinner, you know, if I yeah. have it and my, and I like and I don't feel horribly sick anymore like I did the previous day. And it's like they assume, too, that everyone around them has it or has had it. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I recently heard someone saying, like, you know, the sooner we all get it, the sooner we can establish this herd immunity and we'll make it through. No. Bitch, you're not Clara Barton. Hey, you have no <laughs> understanding of the medical field. You don't know what the fuck you're doing. Shut up. Sit your ass home with your asymptomatic ass. I get so. Ugh. Oh, my God. That's treacherous. I love people pretending they understand they know anything literally about anything people are not interested in information they just want to sound sure i can reflect Mm -hmm. back on when i had covid about a year ago the annoying thing specifically about it is so you reach out to like friends who have it or whatever and you compare notes and what you're going through here's the thing nobody's going through the same thing it's like Mm -mm. it doesn't hit anybody the same way so to go out into the world and pretend like oh well if i infect somebody else they'll just this benign thing will happen to them you have no idea what will happen to them no, I traveled with a friend too, and it's like it turned out like they had it, and like they thought that I had it because like I was sick, but I kept testing um, negative. And it turns out what I had was a cold, like yeah. a literal <laughs> actual cold, <laughs> We've um, all which we those can, which happened. we I'm like you forget <laughs> that you can get sick again um, through through other things. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, there's diversity in this area, right? It's, yeah. yeah, we didn't get colds forever because we were all staying in our fucking houses and people were wearing masks. And now, guess what? When you're back out and intermingling with people, it's not just COVID you got to worry about. You got to worry about the fact that people just don't have good hygiene. <laughs> <laughs> and you will get sick from their germs. <laughs> so take your vitamin C, take mm. your vitamin D, take every vitamin, okay? Take your vitamin vegamin. That's right. <laughs> And also listen to Vitamin C, who's now a music executive at Nickelodeon, if you, if you remember the graduation song. Uh, because we will not be friends forever if I no, find out that you're you out dining while you got COVID, okay? Okay, giving me, like, it's, I feel like I have the itch whenever I go out. <laughs> remember the seven strain itch. Oh, the itch? No, oh my God, you really just blew Vitamin my mind. Vitamin C, the itch. Yeah, yeah. woo. Her bop, I know. I remember. I know four things about vitamin C: the Nickelodeon thing, best friends forever graduation song, the itch, and that she was one of the leads in Dracula 2000. Which, as you know, that's when Dracula peaked. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Bram Stoker said, "Wait a hundred years, it's gonna get really good." I'm gonna let y'all keep running this back, like I know who this is. My my modern parallel is it like a Victoria Justice? What's going on? Mm. Is that the kind of person? Yeah, Victor, uh, vitamin C was like basically a one-hit wonder with red hair. That's why she was called vitamin C. Oh, she was very Nic- horrible name. Yes. Horrible branding. Yes, right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. I got it. I got it. By, by the time you were like graduating, uh, they mm-hmm. they moved on to um, other songs to play. Um, besides her song, graduation song, Friends Forever. Mm-hmm. I feel like I went through three different graduation songs there's there definitely grew up in the uh i believe i can fly era oh sure and then grad and then vitamin Mm -hmm. c hit and i'm pretty sure there was like another one but every gen into every generation a graduation song is born right and then but then sometimes if there's nothing 
extremely new happening in that area, you revert back to green day time of your life and you have to listen to that. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say, there's definitely a Coldplay thing running up in my mind. Maybe it's 21 Miles. It's a song. It's a song mm. where they go through the years and they talk about graduating. Anyway, pop punk always wins. Mm. Well, speaking of graduation, I am excited that in a bit we are going to um, do a little segment uh, Aida dubbed Since You've Been Gone. Um, mm-hmm. I've been listening because, to Kelly Clarkson a lot lately. <laughs> you know, because it, it's time to check in on what we've all been consuming while none of us have been collectively here. And I know Lewis is going to be talking about Yellow Jackets. And right. mm-hmm. I finished it um, finally um, yesterday. And now all I want to do is listen to The Offspring. <laughs> offspring first would it come fan. out and play played in that finale i was like wait a second the trl jumped out yes oh please no <laughs> offspring the first band i had three cds by um because by the way they weirdly had crossover appeal to everyone mm-hmm. so we will be talking about um the culture we've been consuming uh we're also going to discuss a documentary um about this little known uh, oh, yes. pop Boutique star artist. yes janet jackson Yes. <laughs> mm, oh, you're calling it a documentary. I guess it did document something. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know what? D.A. Panabaker here with the hot takes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we will also be joined um, by um, one of my favorite artists, um, a friend of mine and a friend of Keep It, because he actually listens to this damn show. Well, um, Moses Sumney. Yeah. All right. Mm. Great. We enjoy his and, music. And I am going we to do. ask, I'm going to ask, like, because, like, his, his you know, artistic, ethereal ass, I'm like, what, what are you doing listening to us? <laughs> yeah, we're exactly not. Exactly, too. <laughs> there's no halo what? around what? anything we do. Yeah, no. I don't know. Uh, Before so. he poses shirtless in a river, he listens to us bitch about <laughs> celebrities. I love that. I love imagining that. Uh, all right. We will be right back with more Keep It. As America's first idol once sang, since you've been gone, Here's the thing. I've been wondering what you've been streaming. <laughs> That's such a strange verse in that song. It really takes a detour. <laughs> she was ahead of the curve, okay? Yeah. She knew she streaming knew she was coming. She knew she would have a day show. And she knew she'd have a day show. She mm-hmm. knew. Behind these hazel mm-hmm. eyes, I can't stop watching Hulu, she said. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh but, um, Aida. Yes. It's been a long time and you've left it's us been without a, while. a dope beat to step to. Step to. Oh, God. So, why don't you tell us what you've been watching first? Weirdly enough, Step Up 2. So, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I've been watching and Step Up Through the Streets. I've been watching. I did watch at- Step Up 2, actually, over the course you of this did? break. I watched Step TCM? Up. I watched Step Up. Yeah. Yeah, to the to the Ben Mankiewicz uh, explaining this backstory to step up to, and then as much as I was a fan of that franchise, who I my I tried to dip a friend of mine into Step Up 3D and Step Up 4, and I was and I had to apologize, and I said, you know what. I didn't know what I was thinking. Those movies are bad. Also, I guess those movies are our jaws. There's literally a terrible 3D element to one of them. Anyway. 
What have I been consuming, watching? Well, for the three, four weeks that I feel like I was in an internet list, I don't want to call it a wasteland because it's Africa and I love it, but for lack of a better term, wasteland, I couldn't stream anything. But when I got home, I immediately started watching Abbott Elementary. Oh, which I hear is amazing. Which I hear is amazing. It is. It's yes. really good. Quinta Brunson is an icon. We just got to point that Creator, out. Creator. You know, we've and we've loved her forever. I, my mm-hmm. first memory of Quinta is like her movie theater BuzzFeed videos. Where yes. it's like, oh, he got money. My and first memory of her is, my is working at BuzzFeed with her. Um, oh, wow. I, I really want to point out that like... People who haven't listened to like the earlier keepers probably miss like when I make a joke about working at BuzzFeed. And when I reference it now, I feel like people are like, what? You used to work there? I want to point out that like a lot of people who you sort of really like on the internet now somehow inexplicably worked at BuzzFeed from like 2013 to 2016. It was like (laughs) the place people on the internet were working. And it's really Mm -hmm. weird now to imagine that people were like clamoring to get a job at BuzzFeed now. Right, right. Dying to. It's it's like I mean, in living color we, for people who use the word bussy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'd like to think of me and Quinta as fly girls. Uh, <laughs> by the way, we're going to come back to fly girls later in my keep it. So foreshadowing. Oh, okay. my God. Well, think, you got a lot to say you, in your keep it, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all have one of those under our belts, too. I mean, I, I know you worked at BuzzFeed. I know you worked at Daily Beast. I worked at Complex before mm. I got oh, a wow. real TV writing job. And yeah, I've never even told you guys that. I've been hiding and tucking that away in the labyrinth of embarrassment. But yeah, I did. I talked about sneakers and and men mostly. So we, we have our shames. I feel like um, Complex, Complex only writes about sneakers, Drake, Rihanna, and sometimes Kanye. Rihanna, my keep it. So there we go. Oh, We're right. 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 Have this focus. <laughs> okay, Quinta, the show. It's just funny to watch Quinta be a foot taller than a group of kindergartners. First of all, that's the most entertaining thing. Very aware of it. She jokes about her height a lot. Um, it's still its first season of television. It's figuring it out. But if you like Parks and Rec and you like The Office and you wish black people were the like the lead leads of those shows, Abbott Elementary is a great place to start. It's about her being a teacher in a underfunded inner city school in Philadelphia, which I guess it's kind of redundant. All the schools in Philadelphia are underfunded. Um, that's Girl, the first thing I've been watching. People from Philly White are about Ira. to blow people from Philly are probably about to blow up your mention. <laughs> okay, well they could just shut up and watch Bel Air. Y'all will have your representation. That's the next thing that I've been watching that okay, we're we're all fans of Selling Sunset, I know, mm. because you know, Crystal is a is a friend of the pod. Mm-hmm. Um friend of the girls. But Selling Tampa. Wow. Mm. I don't know if are you guys watching this show yet? Girl, I watched this it. Is, I watched it. Ooh. It's not dramatic at all. These bitches are not petty <laughs> enough for me. But but black success is through the roof. Okay, if you want to watch black women supporting one another and like um just dressing nicely and like baby hair is not out of place at all, like wavy, wavy baby hairs look like the constitution <laughs> type shit, then go ahead and watch Selling Tampa. But just know that it's not as entertaining as it is fulfilling and enriching. But mm. it's a real estate show about these women selling houses, making million-dollar commissions. You have to love it. Um, it's good fun. It's good Okay, fun. but can we point out that Sherelle is maybe the worst boss that has ever existed? But why? She she is... But why? Okay, okay, I'm sorry. You are not going to bring me to a meeting and tell me that you're cutting my commissions by like 10% and expect there to not be a conversation to be had about it. Yeah, it, it was kind of she fascist. Goes, <laughs> and she talks too much about her employees behind their back. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a little petty, but but she's kind. She's kind. <laughs> she pays for their drinks at the lunch bars. She she. I assume uh, this is not the I, same Sherelle from Saturday Love. I assume it's not the same. No, no Lewis. <laughs> she didn't get her great. real estate license. <laughs> she's revamping. <Yeah. laughs> you never it's know. It's Cassavetti's film that you're dreaming of. Um, <laughs> I I I also I also I'm sorry. I have a I love selling Tampa, but I do have a bone to pick with it because what I loved about selling Sunset is like the glamour and I just there's yes. no there's no glamour in Tampa and it would have been different if uh now I'm gonna have people from Tampa in my mentions but um if you live in Tampa you know it's trash <laughs> um they're, resi- they're resigned to your fate yeah right Lewis but you I- better pick a city to have against you by the end of the podcast okay yeah okay, I've got Philly I've got Tampa mm-hmm. <laughs> um but the beauty of Selling Sunset is like the glamour and the houses and the celebs and everything. And I feel like we were just sold Selling Tampa was going to be like the black version of that, right? But it's really about they're trying to mm-hmm. get this, um, you know, brokerage off the ground so they can have more glamorous clients, you know? And so I felt yeah. like I was promised one thing and got another thing. If I knew it was about this woman trying to build like this all black brokerage, I would have been like on board from it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. What you need to watch and um, keep it um, frequent guest host Ray Saudi put me onto this. Ladies who list Atlanta, that is giving That's, glamour. Is it, it is petty? getting it is, is it petty? it's petty and it's giving selling sunset glamour. That title, by the way, yeah. one hundred. Ladies who exactly. list Atlanta. <laughs> Ladies who list. in the same way that it can be selling sunset, but their shows should be called trying to sell Tampa. Right, they're <laughs> trying to sell. Slowly. They had a whole episode about them having to go to Miami. To try and get like some more clientele, and I was like, we need mm. to just be watching Selling Miami. Yeah, that's what we need. <laughs> Real estate shows, though, of any kind, like I feel like once you start on them, it's like the brain smoothiest massage ever. Like you just can't get away from just wanting to look at nice places. Mm-hmm. I do like nice places in those shows. I, for some reason, have never been able to get into um, beyond the early days of like trading spaces. Uh, I yeah. can't get into other like home improvement or like sort of like fix it up shows oh i was an hcv i was an hgtv girl like i was single-handedly funding that whole network property (laughs) brothers flip any show i i thought at like 15 i was going to be flipping houses i tried to go to seminars it was just the money (laughs) the money and the and the clean modern looks i wanted it the only thing i I know about property brothers is the one is with zoe deschanel and there's that one episode where alice and janney for some reason is on wearing like an evening gown and holding an axe anyway I don't know why fate gave this to me, but I did watch the entire episode, and now I think Alice and Janney is unwell. Isn't that just how she goes to Shaconi's on a Friday night? I guess. No, and she's, of course, 11 foot four, so she's, like, ducking under doorways to get in. <laughs> and also, don't we miss Ty Pennington? Am I the only one? I, I, I do. I do miss when celebrities were just burnt umber. They were, like, so tan. <laughs> Like leather skin. Yeah, and, and, which is and a very 2000s a phenomenon. Yeah, kind of like mm-hmm. original recipe Seacrest, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm looking at original photos of Ty Pennington. Ty Pennington was serving. Oh, my God. That era where you would wear, <laughs> the era where you would wear uh, like a, um, a polo underneath a denim jacket with the sleeves rolled up. Oh, yeah. Ooh, I'm, I'm horny. Ooh. The, 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 <laughs> tips, tips bleached to oblivion. Ooh. The very old Navy. Yes. Vintage <laughs> Navy. <laughs> what um, else? What else, Aida? Love Life on HBO Max. Yes. Okay. 
Um, it's, it's in a second season now, but I don't know if you guys are familiar with the format, but it's it's a unique enough show that it, each episode follows. And I watched the second season with William Jackson Harper, who I just call Cheaty for the rest of my life because he plays Cheaty on Good Place. Um, the format of the show, like I said, is unique enough. It's like um, every episode follows one of his romantic endeavors, and we don't actually get to see any of the interstitial, intermediate life that he lives. Every episode just picks up on his new person that he's seeing. So, hence love life. Um, Jessica Williams pops up and she plays a cool, stylish black girl, which we don't get enough of on television. And enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. It's fun. It's cute. He dates white women, so he experiences turmoil. <laughs> and he dates black women, so he experiences rebirth. There's a lot there. Um, I would recommend it. It's fun. He experiences turmoil. I have, I have a vendetta against Love Life because Lewis and I have a mutual friend. Um named Stephen, who continued to try to foist the original version of it with Anna Kendrick on um, me All right. constantly. There'll just be texts about love life. And so I have refused. Was even he a producer? Though, no, he just watched it. Mm. He's just a gay white man. And you know yeah. how pushy they are. They, about their opinions on television shows. Oh my God, my uh, friend and I were just talking about how much we miss the word pushy and characters on TV who would be described as pushy. Like the fourth female lead was always the pushy one, you know, like a facts of life or whatever. Yeah, she was a plot device. Yeah. <laughs> she was needed. Uh, but, I, but maybe I will check it out. Friend of um, Keep It, Solomon Giorgio, uh, wrote and produced on Love Live Season 2. Meanwhile, name oh, a show he didn't fucking write on, so anyway. Truly. <laughs> okay? He probably wrote Love It or List It Atlanta. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> so those are the shows I've been watching. I read oh, you've done a lot of watching, actually, for not having access gone. to that stuff. No, I was going to say, it's been a lot of work, but I'm willing oh. to do it. You know what? You know what? I've been watching a lot of shows that I finally finished Yellow Jackets, which Lewis and I can chat about. Oh, but yeah. Before mm-hmm. that, I want to say I've been watching a lot of shows through memes. Oh, like gathering what I, they're about via the meme and then going to actually be, watch them? Because I just, I've reached a point where it's like there always used to be someone's like, how do you keep up with so much? And now I just no longer want to keep up with so much. So, like, mm. and, and just like that, I watched the first two episodes. I am purely watching the show through memes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have no idea what happens episode to episode, but I am just like gathering what happens by what ends up in my like Instagram feed or like, you know, in like Hunter Harris's newsletter. Right, right, right. <laughs> I did. I, I think I watched up to episode seven of And Just Like That. And I feel like there's something every episode that I'm like, I'm like gratified that I got a little bit of a taste of the thing I love about the original show, which is generally speaking, the performances of the actresses on it. But then there's always some element that is like slightly the wrong note that makes me think. Cause like sex in the city is such a perfect comfort show. Like everything about like the, the dialogue, the situations are just like, Fun. And so when they recreate the show and anything is even slightly different, whether or not it's good or bad, I have to cl- clutch a wall because like they, it's like they changed my baby formula, you know. Um, <laughs> but uh, 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 and, episode- and that was made you the killer in Scream 5. Right. Yes. Um, <laughs> but like the episode where Carrie gets a new or she's like shopping for a new apartment and she ends up in. It was such a CGI paradise wherever they shot it. It looked like the Brandy What About Us video or something. Just fucking stick. <laughs> she holding an aluminum bat. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when every music video looked like that? Just like 
cartoony a CGI scene. tunnel. Yeah, a yeah, CGI right. tunnel with wind blowing through it. Oh, yes. every Destiny's Child video. Yeah, everybody <laughs> thought they had a Janet Jackson budget, but they did not. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I've also wa- I've listened. I love Euphoria, uh, and I watched and I watched all of season one. Uh, I actually binged all of season one uh, at once, um, and I will get to season two. Uh, eventually but currently i am also only watching season two of euphoria through memes right now here's my question i've never i've i've only seen season one of euphoria here's my question about the characters can somebody pick these kids up jesus i somebody find a car and throw them in it yeah (laughs) i feel like holly hunter in 13 watching these kids i'm like oh my god my sweet baby I knew the show was going to be all over the internet. One, it's Euphoria, but they did a trailer for every single character. And I was like, this is episode one. Why would I watch anything else? You did a trailer for every single character. I'm excited to see Dominic Fike on the show, mm. who, who apparently is dating Hunter Schaefer in real life. Okay. I love that. I mean, they're still my favorite people to follow on Instagram. So, you know. Yeah. The, the, I mean, the girls are delivering, and they're delivering in the memes too. And I'm sure the show will be delivering iconically. So. Do you? How do you feel about faggots flo- uh, flocking to Sydney Sweeney the way they have? Do we trust that? What's with y'all and big boobs? Is my big question. Oh, you think that's it? <laughs> I think that's a big part of it. And blondes, ugly crying. Y'all love mm. that. That's true. I do listen. I do like um, Sydney Sweeney, but you know, I mean. Alexis Demi is my girl. Alexis mm. Demi is my girl. You know, and mm-hmm. you know, there's and then there's you know, well you got and then you got Bar- you got Barbie. Come on, you got Barbie and you got Z, uh, and you got Hunter Schaefer. And you know, I'm just like there's there's a wealth. Uh, I don't have anything against Sydney Sweeney though. So okay, I don't even yeah. know what she's probably been turning it up this season. You know, looking like um, Renaissance paintings uh, at the end of episodes or whatever. I don't yes. know. Yeah, I saw Fresh that. Me- I saw that meme. I saw that meme, and I don't know what the fuck happened in it, but it looked cute. I just want to say, by the way, that I ran into Lucas Gage at like some club recently and he came up to me and immediately started talking to me about housewives i guess because he talks to you about housewives i just wanted to tell him lucas gage that's not my brand you got to stop this right now so anyway <laughs> I, t- I turned him away glamorously in front of people i know it was really fun i'm sorry to adver- i'm sorry to adversely affect your life lewis by having a hot hollywood actor come up to you and talk to you about Bravo. I, I started weeping on sight yeah it was terrible <laughs> I want to get into uh, Yellow Jackets for a second. Uh, Quickly, when this show started, I have never felt more aggressively courted by a show. First of all, the casting, which of course gives you every hard girl from the 90s, including Melanie Linsky, who we love from Heavenly Creatures, Juliette Lewis, who most children know from that video she made asking, can you save us Britney Spears? But actually, she's an Academy Award nominee from like Cape Fear and was a child actor all her own. Christina Ricci, the first actress I was ever obsessed with because she was Wednesday in the Addams Family, but she has other good roles like Opposite of Sex and Monster and stuff. Here's my problem with this show. I do not care about survivalist shit. I don't care about who can shoot an arrow the best. That's my weird problem. Mm. I, I get the adult part. I like survivors of trauma stuff, but anything where they're in the woods and there's like a macabre humor element to we're all eating each other, I, it weirdly does not speak to me. And I'm surprised... I actually find that part of the show a little boring, and I'm surprised people have stuck through it through th- through all that stuff. But I guess people you know love what? that shit. I'm going to shock you, Lewis, uh-huh. and say that um, I love Yellow Jackets, and I largely finished it by um, 
fast forwarding through the flashback stuff. Yeah, it doesn't the, the do stuff it for with, me. The stuff with the crash is just very expected. Like every show like that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I like that the flashes are forward to when they're adults because I like seeing these like adults like just fuck shit up. And it's sad because I love the younger actors too, you know, but it's just yeah, they're giving good. me that like, it's giving me this like, um, there are a couple twists that like I didn't see coming, but other than like the twist, it's just sort of like everything happening, um, you know, during like the survivalist stuff is just really sort of like, okay, can we get back? Can we get back to like the grownups? Yeah, right. Unfortunately, the actors we trust. Yes, yeah. But I'm. But also, yeah. I, w- I want to say, obviously, the other star of this show, quote unquote star, is the music choices. That's how I felt aggressively courted. Within seconds of me starting the show, they're throwing down like. Liz Fair and PJ Harvey. And it's like, I understand that's like a, um, a genre of music. It's not like, it's, it's crazy that both of those musicians would apply to me. But man, you do not hear that music on many TV shows. So to like really zap into that alternative 90s thing that like, we think we have good memories of the 90s, but I don't hear like anybody talking about PJ Harvey anymore. So I'm just psyched to hear that, to hear whole, to hear, to hear in an interview later, one of the creators saying we didn't get to include Tori Amos this season. We'll do it next season. Fuck. Yes. You never hear Tori Amos on these shows. So I'm I was super shocked grateful. to hear, um, Republica's ready to go. Yeah. Right. A song, a song from, uh, a song from our youth that was largely just featured in commercials. Right. This is children. You may remember when you couldn't turn on the television and hear any track off Moby's play. It's like that. Uh, But yeah, I mean, the music is great. The theme song is fucking great. Um, And, you know, I think people are excited to, you know, to fan cast who's going to be an adult version season two. And, you know, and I I, I listen, I love the younger actors. Um, They're fucking great. Um, And I just I'm it's it's sad that like they're going to have to be stuck in the, like the survivalist, like whatever thing, because I would love to see those actors play. Um, what happens, you know, when they get out of the woods, I'd like to yeah. see that shit, mm-hmm. you know, the part of them, like um, adjusting to life again, but not adjusting to it. And then flashing forward to um, the present. Right. But unfortunately it's, just, it's like two shows in one, you know, and you're always going to have to get the survivalist stuff. Cause I feel like that's the yellow jackets, you know, like, vibe right because secretly i think the most interesting part of the movie room is when brie larson gets out of the room and then she's suicidal like that like that mm. kind of so I'm, mm. I'm excited to get into that stuff also yeah also the only other thing i've been doing you know obviously i've been in new york for a while now um been seeing a lot of theater you know oh you don't and, say oh oh you know that's what, that's <laughs> what i do you? um i some very good standouts that i saw were uh was um first of all this musical kimberly akimbo um which i hope is going to broadway uh it's so fucking amazing uh and like the performances were really great it's sort of like um it's about a girl with the same um disease that um robin william has in jack oh right which which is a documentary so yeah yeah (laughs) uh why did nobody in drag race dressed as that jennifer lopez anyway She's uh, in that, she right? Had, it's her. Yeah, she, Jennifer yeah, so, Lopez okay, yeah. is in that, okay? Yeah, and yeah. A Fra- Jennifer Lopez is in a um, Francis Ford Coppola movie, okay? Right. <laughs> Thank you, history. Thank you. All right. <laughs> when will your faves? 
<laughs> Number two is in U-turn. There's she had so many chapters we've forgotten all about. Anyway, <laughs> the disease is a little bit like progeria. You know, it causes her to age four and a half times fast as normal, and is set while she's in high school. I'm about to hit her 16th birthday, and most people, you know, die around that age. Um, but it was written by David Lindsay Abair. Oh my God, the king of Robin uh, Hall. I know, you know, and the music was by Janine. Tesori, who is basically an icon. Um, Janine Tesori uh, is a Broadway composer, and she's done the music for Carolina Change, oh, wow. um, which I also saw um, before it closed on Broadway. It's fucking iconic. Um, she did Thoroughly Modern Millie. You know, she is um, an icon as well. It's a really, really great fucking show, and I hope it transfers. Uh, I saw Clyde's with um, Uzo Aduba. Oh, uh, how is yeah, she on so- stage? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't think she can act, you know, it's just sort of, you know, like one day, she, one day she'll show us that she's fantastic. I'm <laughs> Obviously, Uso is an icon. She's an icon is in a play by Lynn Nottage, who is just doing mm-hmm. too Two much. Pulitzers. Two Pulitzers. Also, her play Intimate Apparel was turned into an opera by the Met. Um, and unfortunately, I wish it had not been. <laughs> oh no <laughs> that's it's an interesting fanta- choice yeah. it's a fantastic and sexy play but i'm just like and i love the opera um i'm actually sort of mad that um i missed seeing uh rigoletta uh in this current run uh at the met and i'm gonna have to see it later in the spring but um yeah it's it's the music is i kept thinking about that sondheim thing um, where he was discussing, you know, like each song should be like, in, especially in Tick, Tick, Boom, when, when he's talking to Andrew Garfield, um, talking to Jonathan Larson yes. uh, about how <laughs> each song, you know, should be like a different character, you know, like, and it's just like the music in Intimate Apparel, the opera version, is just very one note. It all sort of sounds the same. And for such an interesting act one, once you get to act two, it's just sort of a thing where like the plot's been set up already and you're just sort of going through bullet points to wrap it up at Mm. the end you know Mm. so unfortunately did not need to be an opera i am sorry but the keep it opera will be better than this i have to say you won't repeat the same (laughs) note the guest hosts yeah the deaths it'll be great the uh, yes the regular host will be vanishing at random intervals you know it's it's a lot of mystery (laughs) yeah that's okay that's what it sounds like it's missing this show is Yellow Jackets. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we're sufficiently caught up with one another and what we've been catching up with. Um, when we're back, we will be joined by Moses Sumney. And then a little bit later, we're going to get into Miss Jackson, if you're nasty, because I am. Keep It is brought to you by Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. If you're really good at it, that is. I've actually met several really good friends through Hinge. I've used it, I can't believe this, over a decade now. Woof, what a life I've had. Well, you know what they've added within a decade of us being on Hinge is their new LGBTQIA plus prompts, which are designed to help queer daters better connect based on similarities, interests, and compatibility. Hinge prompts helps you show off your full personality and connect with someone who appreciates you. Plus, these prompts were created in collaboration with GLAAD, so they are by the people, for the people. Some of the prompts are, the first time I knew I was gay was, mm, I was literally in the act of being gay, like hooking up with somebody when I admitted it. <laughs> Denial is strong and hard in the Catholic Midwest. Mine was Tom Cruise's Vanity Fair cover. The shirtless one? You just turned to an imaginary camera and said, I'm gay. 
Yeah. Or broke the fourth wall. <laughs> You're like Fleabag. Other prompts include, I feel proudest of who I am when. It feels affirming when others, blank. I connect to my community by... I wish I could tell the younger version of myself. Can I just say, whenever I watch that in a drag race semifinal, when they're like, if I could talk to my younger self, I would say, I would be like, girl, get tighter clothes. I mean, what's going on with what you're wearing? You look like you're in the X Games. Other prompts include, my chosen family is the best at, and gender euphoria looks like. Download Hinge and show off your full self using their LGBTQIA plus prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. Our guest today is a truly independent artist because he does whatever the hell he wants. He left L.A. for North Carolina, has repeatedly rejected labels and reps, and his second album, Gray, came out mid-pandemic. And his first concert film, Black Alachia, came out in December. Please welcome Moses Sumney. We're clapping. We're clapping. Hey. Hello. <sighs> Hello, Moses. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You can't see, but I'm wearing a, a turtleneck. So the snapping <laughs> as an intro is like super, <laughs> super appropriate. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. Aida and I were having a discussion before, and I think I probably asked you this before, but you know, you were so smart. And um, you have so many like luminaries uh, and authors who want to be on your albums. So we're like, why the hell have you ever listened to? Well, us? Why do you enjoy this this mess? <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> I know it's funny. This uh, keep it is kind of the only podcast I listen to, and I and sometimes people ask me like, what do you listen to? I've got this philosophy podcast that I love, and you you do you want to hear about Descartes? And I'm like, um, I listen to. Keep Therefore, it. I am. <laughs> Therefore, I am. Exactly. Yeah. I love it. It's funny. Y'all are so fucking funny, Moses. That warms my heart oh. so much. Like I usually try not to gush over our guests because. Apparently our listeners hate it, but I love the ground that you walk on is like you're one of my favorite musicians and just instrumentalist people in the music world. And I'm so honored that you're here. Um, and I have a bone to pick with you because, you. yeah, most of your songs make me seek out love and it's ruining my life. <laughs> 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 Truly ruining my life. Yeah. That's that's ironic, mm -hmm. um, but I think you just got to let it come to you. <laughs> Why are you seeking love? They should be coming to you. <laughs> I just want to make out. Love should be coming to you. <laughs> we like to feel things. I guess the music is, is very heavily emotional. Mm. So people come to me, not so much when they want to dance, but when they want to cry, I guess. And I've accepted it. Yeah, I'm I have sorry. to be emotionally stable to watch like your tiny desk video. Like I can't be in a not okay place because there will be tears. There will be tears. <laughs> but there's some joy in there too. I'd like to think. I'd like to think that wrapped in the melancholy is a good amount of joy. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to ask then. You know, you you people come to you for the melancholy a bit. Uh, what do you do when you want? You know, the joy when you want to dance. Or do you do you dance to your own music? I do dance to my own music. I be thinking that that shit fucking bangs. Like, 
it doesn't but in my head <laughs> it does i think you know a lot of the rhythm in my music is implied and i and i hear and feel implied rhythm so i actually do dance to my music but i listen to a lot of upbeat stuff i listen to funny enough a lot of hip-hop and and r&b more than one might think but in my car there's there's a lot of uh brandy there's a lot of uh usher there's a lot of nikki (laughs) when i'm trying to dance so i do i do listen to like cerebral i have you know quite an eclectic mix of things in my ears i guess but i like the cerebral stuff you know i like the the emo stuff the i don't know the sufians and 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 whatnot but I like fun stuff. I'm fun. <laughs> Scream mm-hmm. it. Let us know. Make sure. <laughs> I'm really fun and I like to dance. No, I mean, I feel like, I mean, first of all, the Sufjans is how I got into you in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you're making art exhibits. I've definitely been trying to step outside of um, what my boxes or whatever sandbox I've been told I'm allowed to play in. And I get a little bored with approaching music from a kind of traditional perspective. And, and yeah, and I think that story for me cuts across disciplines. It's been really important. And I'm sure y'all can relate to this because y'all be doing a lot of things. Some might say the most. <laughs> I think that for me, I have a story to tell and the story is um yeah i have a story to tell and the story sometimes has to manifest as a song or has to manifest as a photograph or manifest as a film or as an installation and and i don't know once i figure out what it is i'm trying to say and what questions i'm trying to ask then i approach it with the discipline that feels the most appropriate or the medium that feels most appropriate for the question itself and and so right now we have the show, we being me and my multiple personalities, launching this gallery show at Nicola Vassal Gallery this month. That's going to be an installation of my film that I made, Black Alashia, which is a performance film, but then a bunch of photographic prints, my first kind of like photographs on film being shared. And that all feels like part of the the MCU, the Moses Cinematic Universe. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love that you feel like you're in a space where you can freely like oscillate between whatever medium that you want to be working in. Um, but in the songwriting and like album ideation world, are you in the process? Is, are you the kind of musician and creator that is constantly like writing tidbits for songs or thinking about what the next album is going to be? Or do you like to shelve it until you're ready to start? Um. I'm a little bit of both. Like I've been kind of taking a break from writing new stuff lately um, because I just got kind of got tired and I got a little bit too in my head. So I took a, a long, I mean, over the course of the pandemic, I stopped writing songs and I started photographing instead and, and like directing films. And that was my creative outlet. And that kind of gave me a chance to reapproach like what I really wanted to do um you know stepping outside of like all right this next record has to has to turn around very quickly Mm. in between my first two albums i i think i turned in my first album and then i started writing the second one a week later wow and and so now i'm just kind of moving a bit a bit slower and and with more intention but i've definitely been ideating on what the next what the next record sounds like and 
I'll, I'll get in a room with a producer and I start by saying, I'm not making an album. I'm not making another album. And they're like, uh-huh, cool. You're going to hit record? Okay, great. <laughs> and that just like frees me to do whatever I want without being like, and the next record has to be very conceptual. You know, mm. I've, I've done like two kind of conceptual albums. So now I'm like, can I just be a dumb bitch a little bit on the, in the booth and see what that does? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like my journey now. That's fair. Um, I mean, in the, what I've also loved too is, you know, just the idea that you're not just stepping into art the art world you know whatever that means you know like uh, having like an exhibit in new york but you you're really fascinated by um photographs or at least i'm fascinated by your photographs but photo not photographs that you take and like pictures that you are into i mean you take gorgeous fucking photos you're on uh you're on a billboard in New York right now for Calvin Klein, uh, giving model, stunning. Uh, but <laughs> also, you. um, I think you just, um, shared on Instagram, like another Instagram of just like photographs that you take, um, when you're around now and what like what really inspired you to just sort of be like, I want to start taking photos of you know, your my friends, like people I interact with and like my general life and sort of like try and frame it in this different way than I feel mm -hmm. like we generally take photos for um, Instagram with like a phone. Mm. Yeah, thank you for asking that. I've always been into taking pictures, but I think for years I felt like Instagram as a medium wasn't really deserving of them. I think that we kind of treat imagery especially on social media as cheap treats and i really treasure the pictures that i take of other people and um and and yeah I've, i try to photograph on film which i think the kind of archaic tactile nature of film really drives home the fact that you're making a record of something you're making a record of a moment a moment in time and you also because of the finite nature of film have to be very particular about what moments you capture you know because that's just gonna run out so just like oh wait, this is a moment and it, it really helps to remember that so it's been really important to me to document having been here and i also like the kind of um i think my work tends to paint such a solitary image of me um, believe it or not, I do have a friend or two. And so <laughs> I like kind of, I enjoy the juxtaposition of like, oh, here's some pictures I took of other people when they allowed me to be around them. But I also, to that end, have a pretty dedicated self-portraiture practice that I've been delved deeply in for the past couple of years. And I'm just now kind of starting to find ways to put that imagery out in the world and think beyond the the box so to speak of instagram mm -hmm. you're an artist you've probably always felt as if you were an artist and was expressing yourself in that way but like what were some of your earliest modes of communication with art was it always music was it photography and and you know how strongly did you feel those from a young age hmm Definitely music was my first powerful relationship with art. And I feel like music is at the intersection of everything I, I do. But as a kid, 
growing up in California, I was obsessed with country music for some reason. I don't know why this little African kid in California um, was obsessed with like Tim McGraw and Faith Hill and um, <laughs> a bit of Shania <laughs> and Garth Brooks, but that music was very precious to me. And I think I also, I also loved reading and maybe it's because I loved narrative so much as a child. And so I was also really into writing and I used to write poems a lot and write little short stories. And I, I, I really didn't have friends at that age. I totally, totally, definitely do now. Keep telling but us. then, <laughs> yes, I just want to reemphasize that. Uh, George Glass. Um, uh, this episode it. will be called Moses Has Friends. And y'all better believe it. <laughs> Well, you know, like, do you remember that show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? Yes. yes. I think. There's that song where she's like, I have friends. I definitely <laughs> have friends. And I think about that all the time. But but no, like my earliest my earliest art memories were, were music, but also writing. And I and I actually really wanted to be a writer mm-hmm. my whole life. I mean, I really wanted to be a musician, but I didn't think I could and that I didn't think I could do it, but I couldn't share that. I couldn't be like, oh, I'm going to be a singer because I learned quickly that people are haters and will crush your dreams. And so I would always say, I'm going to be a writer. And I was very kind of forward with mm. my writing. And then I went to college, I went to UCLA for for creative writing. And, and that was always like my front. That was the storefront. And behind the storefront, I was in the lab. Laundering you know, songs. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Cooking songs like mess. Yes. Uh is that something that you still feel drawn to writing like a longer piece of creative fiction or is it just like your mind like focusing on like a story that long it's like something you don't want to do. Um I really am into creative nonfiction. And I think it would be a dream to write an essay, not write an essay. I've written essays, but write to, to write like a book of essays. I had my first essay published last month in an anthology that Michael Chabon um, edited for the ACLU about kind of the immigration story of my family. And that was amazing to write. I think that writing is actually in a lot of ways, the thing I care about the most. And then it becomes the thing that I do the least because mm-hmm. I find it really scary. And I find that I care about it so much that it crushes me a little bit to to do it. I don't know if that oh, makes total sense. sense. But <laughs> mm-hmm. y'all are writers, like writing is so painful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Me, or like right. whatever you feel like is your most passionate thing, but it might be your least exercised mode of speaking. I don't know. Um, if yeah and mm-hmm. it's like to so the idea of sharing that work is so like oh okay mm-hmm. like oh it's 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 really painful but i i think that would be my dream to write more creative nonfiction and do essay stuff okay yeah i want your like john krakauer novel you know 
Like you're into the wild. You're 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 moving yes. to California, <laughs> the country music, and then getting out of California because as we uh, were establishing before this podcast, it's time to leave California. Yeah, it's time for all. I'm trying to get Aida let's too. Untran- let's trans. What's going on? Let's untransplant. Um, I just I moved actually moved to LA for the podcast, and then maybe within two or three months the world shut down and then there was just the like constant oh. decline of la after that so i don't actually oh. have great associations with the city i think it's time to move to new york but or north carolina i lured her you to la God. <laughs> i did i retract me you ruined her life Truly. <laughs> oh man yeah you didn't get to experience like the great um, nothing that is Los <laughs> yeah. Angeles. I, I was told it wasn't much. I did run into Ira at a Vincent concert, which was a beautiful experience. So we had our fun. And you'll always have that. <laughs> Truly, us at the tr- us at the Troubadour running into each other by the bar. Maybe one of our only... And best uh, moments. That's our only sighting. Yeah. Frustrating. Frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I Leaving LA is one of the best things personally that I ever did for my mental health and self love something something, something. <laughs> mm-hmm. but you but but you know then you also went the complete opposite of like because you don't live in New York you like your your base just like in the woods yes I live in a forest in the mountains in North Carolina you don't have, yeah your yeah. music tells us that <laughs> I know <laughs> I know Moses <laughs> <laughs> i know it's 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 crazy like there are bears like i see bears for a good amount of the year like outside mm-hmm. my house mm-hmm. and i'm like those that's who i'm kicking it with these days <laughs> you're living in yellow and... jackets is what you're doing yeah. you are surviving on the Out wild there. okay are you a tv watcher i haven't seen i i haven't seen that i am a, i'm kind of an extreme tv watcher i mean there's really nothing to do where i live mm. except hike and watch tv so i watch a lot of television i've not seen yellow jackets yet but i am like catch i'm, I'm watching the new ozark which um i remember you don't like oh um, wow <laughs> the, pointed, the pointed look the pointed look the pointed look Proof. okay you know what i've heard i've heard a lot of I've, I've mostly heard like you know like older white people who are like vibing for jason bateman and laura lenny liking ozark but sometimes a random like black friend will be like you know what i really ride for it's ozark and i just want to know what is it about ozark that is pulling you in oh my god because it's too yeah. blue for me i think me. it's, it's like moses's colorway that's his colorway though like <laughs> <laughs> no, I like very rich colors. Watch my little film. You're right. You're right. You see, I actually really like. I like rich colors. Listen, the skin is glowing. Like we like brown. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, come on, I love warmth. But I just think that we. It's listen. It's February. We as black people need to get into money laundering. Like, <laughs> okay, I'm tired of these people behind, yeah. taking our money. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we need to be ev- evading taxes, and we need to be using offshore accounts to hide our money. That's how these people built generational wealth. And I'm trying to learn. So I watch Ozark with my pen and paper. My notepad is out. My post-it notes are going up. And I appreciate the tips. You were in a trench. You, know you at school. That's how we can. You at school. Yeah, that's how we can keep, <laughs> keep the dollar in the black community by money laundering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Run and tell that. <laughs> Who do you find yourself listening to musically right now? Like who who are you excited about and Oh, okay. 
Well, I think two kind of newer artists that I really love and would recommend are Lorraine, that's L apostrophe Rain, a New York-based band that's fronted by this Black woman who's, they're just excellent. It's like very esoteric um, indie music, but it's also very soulful. I adore them. That was my favorite record of last year. Um, although a strong shout out to Jasmine Sullivan, who I've Mm-mm-mm. loved since I was, mm. it seems, a, ch- a child and makes me want to never sing ever, ever, <laughs> ever again. Um, embarrassing. Um, and then the other one I love is is Kia. That's K-E-I-Y-A-A. A, a love her, Kia. love her. She had her... She had a record in 2020 that was still in my top five. I guess, Weary? Oh, forever, forever Your Girl. Last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. 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 That, oh, that album was girl. it. I love that. Thank God yes, for the girls playing absolutely. on the NPCs, getting glitchy. That's what I'm really a fan of right now. And a lot of girls coming out of Brooklyn, I feel like, <laughs> yes. are just producing and creating. And it's it's making my little heart so happy. Another reason to go to Brooklyn. See, it's nothing for me in L.A. <laughs> Girls on the glitch. Mm-hmm. Girls on the Girls glitch. Girls for sure on the glitch. <laughs> glitch hop. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess those are, those are younger people. I'm forgetting like the old heads that I like, you know. No, these Who are cares? good. When are we getting your mixtape? I need a oh, version See, this is the getting? thing. It's like, when are we getting Music. your book of essays? You know, it's <laughs> maybe we should figure it out together. When are we getting that? We can mm-hmm. trade. We can have a. We can drop on the same that, day. That your work. mixtape and my. We should book. do it. <laughs> this is so fun. Like I can't believe it. Oh stop! Oh shut up! <laughs> Thank you. So Thank happy you for to having have you. me. No, it's so like y'all should see me driving around in the mountains, like truly on dirt roads, listening. To your <laughs> it's a really funny image. Um, so I can't wait to be on it. Thank you so thank much. Thank you for coming. Oh, thank you. There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are golden retrievers. Which means Tubi is more popular than using meat-flavored toothpaste. More popular than never figuring out what W-A-L-K spells. More popular than kicking your leg when a human rubs your belly just right. Tubi. It's more popular than golden retrievers. See you in there. Over the weekend, Lifetime released um, their authorized documentary on Janet Jackson. But despite diving into her relationship with her abusive father, her thoughts on her brother, and her career after the Super Bowl, the superstar still kept her cards close to her chest. Um, I'm shocked since it was an authorized documentary. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I kept, I kept thinking about this in contrast with The Last Dance, which was authorized by Michael Jordan in a sense, but also it was like a lot of footage that was recorded and a deal was made um, that, you know, it could be aired later on, you know, like if he gave approval to it, you know, and like parts Mm -hmm. of it sort of made him look like an asshole, you know? And I think about, um, you know, we've talked about the um, David Foster documentary before where it made him really look like an asshole, but a talented one. And I'm not saying that I wanted Janet to look like an asshole, um, but I wanted Janet 
to speak her truth, you know? And um, I don't know. It's wild to me that we watch a documentary about um, her life and then, like, the Super Bowl, and she's sort of like, you know, like, I'm friends with Justin Timberlake, and I wish we would all just move Mm -hmm. on. And I'm like, okay, girl. That's your truth? Right. Um, (laughs) No, um, the, the thing with Janet Jackson is, and I knew this going in, and this makes her much different than someone like Whitney Houston or Madonna. She is not an interview queen. Like you don't come away from mm-hmm. an interview with Janet Jackson being lit on fire by personality. It's just, that's never the yeah. way it's been with her. And in fact, I'm almost certain that goes back to the fact that she's just someone who's been hammered for personal information since she was like truly single digit age. So I'm sure interviews in general, give her the creeps. And I, and according to almost everybody in the documentary, she truly is a shy person. So you're not going to get like an unexpected level of candor from her at any time. But it is funny to hear her say things like, oh, I want to finally speak my truth. And her truth is what? Being thankful to the fans. Truly, when I think of Janet Jackson, I think of someone meekly thanking fans all the time. Like that's just like, who she is. <laughs> there are parts of this documentary that I think are great. Namely, I mean, the the footage of her with Michael coming up with Scream. Scream was, okay. See, that, that scene was terrifying to me. Yeah, she, she's on a laptop, like, typing lyrics, and he's standing there telling her what she needs to bring to the track. And hearing Michael Jackson, and of course, we've all done the math on Michael Jackson. Don't need to. We've unpacked what's wrong with him and what continues to be wrong with him, whatever. Man, it is still thrilling to hear Michael Jackson say to her, you got to bring that vocal you brought on Black Cat. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Not, none of those other ones yeah yes. this is a black cat vocal we need yeah yes listen i love that moment and i found it thrilling but i also found it you know like a bit weird and unsettling just the way she talked about the recording of it because it mm-hmm. seemed like yeah. she didn't want to make that damn song no and she was she said it was like tough to do and they were they were kept apart on the music video set and stuff what was really interesting about the documentary to me was just how this woman's career was just sort of like adversely affected by the men around her. You know, we like think about the Justin thing the most, mm-hmm. but the here, like how like she was superstar after like the first two flop albums and out of her brother's shadow. And then the um, Michael scandal starts at like literally on the eve of her signing a major deal with Coca-Cola. And that is just like, I'm like, fuck. You know, and then she has to go and support her brother and then uh, has to do stuff like, you know, like say a prayer for Michael, like at a concert. And of course, it's like 92. So like everyone's cheering back then. You know, right. um, mm-hmm. no one is in the audience really like, uh, what, sis? Um, <laughs> and then, you know, having to go and make the song scream. And it's just sort of like, yeah, it really to see her as sort of like the icon in the first parts of the documentary and really like taking control of her own career to then see her slip into um basically it was like michael dictated that song to her you know it's like mm. and, the, mm-hmm. and even the um staging of it with her like uh at the edge of the bed on her knees typing when him sitting on the bed above her you know it's just sort of like it's it was sad seeing sort of i guess the different male figures in her life who exerted control over her from joe jackson to renee Oh, to yeah. Michael. Now, he, that to me was the most yeah. instructive part of the whole thing. Renee Elizondo, her hu- husband, who, if, if you remember that cover of the Rolling Stone where her breasts are covered with hands, it's his hands. And mm-hmm. he really jumps in and feels kind of like a, you know, Colonel Tom Parker to Elvis situation where he's like making all these big choices and she's sort of meekly posing on the music video set where he makes all the big calls. He, he didn't seem dictatorial and he didn't seem... Um, 
out of, like drunk with power or anything, but he did seem to be running the show in a way that I wasn't aware of. Yeah, and then the documentary allowed it to seem like Janet's personality only came out through him. Yeah. Like it was necessary. And what frustrated me the most about the entire documentary is, yeah, everything that we're saying about this woman, you know, most of her life was characterized by trying to get out of the shadow of these men. And the documentary was full of just Googleable facts about her. I didn't really learn yeah. much new. Um, my, the most frustrating thing was listening to her sit on that couch and say something like, well, you know, we have a history with CBS. Okay, girl, what is that history after the Super Bowl event? What is that mm -hmm. history? Talk about how you felt blackballed by white media. Talk about how you felt targeted by journalists. Call out Les Moonves. Okay, who are you afraid of? Yes. Julie, Julie Chen? <laughs> do you feel abandoned by Justin Timberlake are y'all really friends like that you said you only talked once after the Super Bowl incident like there was never cracks in her armor there was never anything that made me feel like I was learning about Janet and that she was giving this documentary they said it took five years to make and it did not feel like that mm -hmm. it felt like it took five years to edit and cut out all the important and honest things mm -hmm. but it didn't feel like they actually put an earnest attempt to like exposing what happened uh, in Janet's life I mean we were lucky to get like real footage of time she's recording with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis because mm -hmm. there's there's a part I believe it's they're recording Rhythm Nation and they straight up get into a fight where yes uh, when she like, storms out yeah she's yeah. she's trying to lay down a vocal and they're kind of like snickering maybe they, they don't think they're getting the take they want or something but anyway you actually see Janet dealing with a conflict there and like not being Love meek that. and mm -hmm. uh Th that is what we needed more of in the documentary because also it's like Janet Jackson has made some of the best and most enduring pop music and it's like you know she's not just a puppet sitting there making it you know she's like making lots of choices that are making it great and in that moment you see the fiery and kind of entrepreneurial version of Janet that I feel like the rest of the documentary sort of leaves out so I wish if there if somebody just wants to upload all that shit to YouTube, like all the fuzzy footage of her in a recording studio, mm -hmm. that I would love to see because I really, it taught me something about Janet Jackson and how like, oh, you're snickering at me? Well, I'm going to stop, I'm going to walk out of the studio right now. I you don't know? need this. Yeah. And like everyone repeatedly saying how stubborn she was and how firm she was in her character and yeah. then not really feeling that except for in that clip. It was mm -hmm. frustrating. Right. Mm -hmm. I also felt a little let down uh, and disappointed by, you know, how the documentary discusses sexuality well, the Rolling Stone cover, for instance, yes. You know, she talks about, like, in retrospect, like, she didn't like that. You know, that wasn't really her, how she was brought up. I'm like, okay, can, can we then jump forward to the song, Would You Mind? Yeah, right. Basically, like, <laughs> the dirtiest on ever. stage. Yes. Okay? Yeah. yeah. And then, but then also contrast that with, like, um, you said that she was, I know that you said she was never an interview queen, but the one time she was, do you remember her wild beef with Madonna? Because she used to just call Madonna, like, in oh, right. early yeah. interviews, she would be like, you know, I don't really need to show my nipples and stuff, you know, to get attention, etc. <laughs> and it's like, that's when she was, you know, really sort of, like, ballsy and, like, felt like a Madonna or Whitney, mm -hmm. like, speaking about her contemporaries. But that part of Janet quickly... um was whisked away too. You I know? would compare that, in fact, to Jennifer Lopez, who uh, mm -hmm. famously had that movie line interview in the late 90s where she like says, you know, is Madonna creative? Yes. Can she sing? No, or whatever she said. And it was like, mm -hmm. whoa, what happened to that? After that, Janet was like, utterly diplomatic from then on but um uh there but there were hints of things in this documentary namely in the candid footage that made you think like oh we almost got a piece of the janet we know nothing yeah. about but by the way you know what was really nice to see reby jackson appears to be doing great 
Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> that woman is Come seven on, years Rimi. old. She looks fabulous. She, she looks better than me. She's like, <laughs> she, she, she seems to remain God fearing. Great. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, also, I have a question about Reby Jackson. We both know the song. We all know the song Centipede, right? Yes, but, of course. But, okay. <laughs> Iconic video. Guys, I have a question. What is the centipede in that song? The lyrics are like, I need to now look up the lyrics to centipede. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go on this tangent, but it's suddenly important. <laughs> like a centipede that's hot. The fire is in your touch. Just like a centipede, you've got a lot of love to touch. Okay, we're go- going through the chorus now. When the time is really right is when the centipede is crawling. You'll be crying in the night so many tears and you're crawling like a centipede. Is this dick centipede? You know, I thought it was I thought it was a dick, but also I'm feeling like she's talking about herself in the third person oh, because okay. she also ah, says ah. um centipede you came oh to strike him with your touch like you crawled into the bathroom window to bite him with your love uh, okay. is she the That's, centipede maybe alright also Who? centipedes are not notoriously vicious animals <laughs> or hot ones so I just want to know and also I don't believe she wrote it it has to be like a Janet or Michael endeavor uh, no and has gotta be I don't think this is Freebie. from her poetry collection no I don't think so but Who's anyway centipede and who yeah <laughs> <laughs> Where's that Aretha jam? Yeah. Uh, the song was written and produced by uh, Michael, and yeah, the Weather Girls sing backing vocals on it. Oh, that's are they, the centip- are they the centipedes? They're the centipedes. Right. If you combine all the legs of these people, there's, pl- yeah, there's plenty of suspects. Yeah. Well, you know what? It sounds kind of creepy to say it in terms of Michael Jackson, but I'm just going to go there. This oral fixation that he has in writing songs for women about mm. biting and eating, like the. The um, Diana Ross song that he wrote for her, Eaten Alive. Mm, right, oh. right. Is he a kid? Giving Army Hammer. Is, 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 giving Army Hammer. Is the truth, <laughs> is, the, is the actual truth with Janet's like, yeah. my brother wouldn't do that. Is the actual truth that Michael never actually abused any children? He was eating them. Oh, I see. <laughs> Which is, of course, not abuse. Yeah. Maybe he was a cannibal. Right. Yeah, he's putting them out of their misery. Yeah. That's the big secret. Okay. Wow. He was, he, he was eaten. What was thrilling him? The the original Yellow Jackets, right, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Another thing I want to say about Janet Jackson, so she had these first couple albums before Control where she allegedly didn't have Control. Guys, Dream Street, that song is a bop. I'm sorry. I think that needs to be on the radio a little bit more. I know it's sort of like talking about Alanis Morissette's Canadian albums, like we pretend they don't exist, but that song had something. It sort of is in that Shalimar vibe. You're like, Joe Jackson being a slave driver wasn't the worst. You know, some good things came out of it. Uh, Is that what I said? Is that what I said? (laughs) No, I I have, it's a complicated feelings that I have. Without Joe Jackson, we wouldn't have the Jackson 5. Without Mr. Williams, we wouldn't have Venus and Serena. Or Mr. Knowles, we wouldn't have our our women that we love. So it's just, it's a toss up. It's a trade that you got to make. And so she what is you're very is men kind are of necessary. Do- there you go. Some people got to be abused for us to have good. Music. And she's <laughs> very, she's very kind of doting on Joe Jackson too. That was that that was interesting. Like she kept emphasizing that he loved them and like he wanted the best for them. And, and mm-hmm. that also that just doesn't gel with the world's understanding of Joe Jackson. But yeah, I will also say that if it takes all night on Dream Street is about. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. If we reignite this part of her career in a TikTok way, we will have done, well, not much, but something. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway, we'll never really definitively get um, probably a Janet Jackson doc until long after every Jackson heir is dead. Yeah, um, yeah an unauthorized because, one. Because, you know, Paris ain't letting that shit happen either. 
No. <laughs> um, but I will say, I'm, I, I'll share my thoughts about MJ the Musical once I see it. But mm. honestly, Janet the Musical is the one I want to see. It, yeah. it doesn't even have to be her story. Ooh. You know, I'm just like that. Her music is perfect for a jukebox musical. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Oh, no. And it, it all follows one through line, really. Like, even though she goes through different styles, like it gets a little mm-hmm. poppier later on or R&B mm-hmm. or dancey. Yeah. It really does feel like there's something about Janet that's extremely unified over a mm. career. And also, she really comes from an era of, quote unquote, vocalists I'm just obsessed with, which is, you know, Lisa Lisa and Paul Abdul, the squeaky girls, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Jody Watley. Um, yeah. And and I would also say that, you know, as much as Michael has influenced like music and dance, et cetera, um, you know, and you see it in a lot of um, the movement of our current um, pop stars and, you know, um, people that we grew up with. I would say that as a through line, the people who are like Broadway dancers, choreographers, like video dancers, like their dance comes from Janet. Totally. Oh, my and God. And their inspiration mm-hmm. comes from Janet. So to see choreographers on Broadway uh, and like dancers like cutting up to Janet music every night would be iconic. Total. Also, by the way, I do wish the documentary specifically got into that, the influence of her type of dance, the aggression she brought on stage and stuff. And by the way, they didn't make use of all the amazing celebrities they had in this either. Like you only got like a a blip of Missy Elliott talking about Janet Jackson or you got at the end Samuel L. Jackson playing throb on his phone and being like, this is the best club song. I mean, that gave me more life than the entire last chapter. Yeah. Overall, it was too much Jermaine Dupri, honestly. (laughs) But what I, I wanted to see so much was like, the Rhythm Nation video, which was clearly inspired by like Blade Runner and Fahrenheit 451, like these strange things that their her creative team was pulling from. The fact that they predicted the black kid anime obsession in the Scream music video before anybody mm. even knew that we were going to be obsessed with Japan. The what's it going to be? Every video, music video now that has any inkling of futurism is based off of that Busta Rhymes video. Mm, like, totally. where is the part where we talk about how iconic she was and how everything she did percolated its way into modern culture. Totally. That's the part the, that I also think was missing. I want the Paula Abdul Janet Jackson documentary. Like like Fossey Burden. Fossey yep. Burden. Yes. I want yes. Abdul Jackson. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Including people forget that it was in fact Michael who scouted Paula Abdul at a Lakers mm-hmm. game. So wow, it's that whole intermingling of people is so fascinating by the way Paul yeah that Ab- moment pa- where they had the footage of her at the game <laughs> oh so the good girls. that was so beautiful Paula Abdul by the way has about 45 seconds in this documentary and she is weeping through them and I just want to say yes. that it sort of seems like she cries <laughs> often that's what it seems like uh, you would too if you lived under the abusive claw of MC Scat Cat <laughs> oh god <laughs> he's still he's, he's pulling his suspenders wanting that those royalties he's like two steps back bitch <laughs> <laughs> All right, right. we're back. It's all the keepers we kept teasing during this episode. Oh, yeah, we'll actually talk about them. And we're back with our favorite segment of the episode keep it y'all it has been mm, it has been a minute all three of us here for the keep it segment Whoa. Mm. let's keep it Usually cynical I- and mean 
yeah, you, that's the thing, though. I usually come to this with a lot of contempt in my black little heart. By black, I mean not the color of my skin. I mean the actual hue uh, is darkened. Like the grass, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Aida totally. wants you to know that she's light skinned, okay? <laughs> yeah. I'm not, don't call me black. Me. <laughs> I'm cosplaying as a black girl. <laughs> um, I uh, uh, have some happiness, but it's going to be disguised as anger. Right. So let me just start with mine. My keep it is for Rihanna going and getting pregnant by this Swedish ex-convict, ASAP Rocky. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Lord Pretty Flacco Jody, who I love. I really do love, but I am very disappointed to see that my girlfriend went and got pregnant without telling me. Right. Rude. Um the pregnancy reveal. <laughs> the keep it is to her getting pregnant and not telling me. Okay, there we go. We've moved past it. That's the anger. Let me now just talk about these beautiful photos. This pregnancy reveal had me gushing. Of course, Rihanna, our streetwear maven, chose to reveal this perfectly. She is in this beautiful, like, pink parka, but it's vintage open, Chanel. Casual. You've vintage, all seen the vintage, photos. Yeah, it's vintage 96 Chanel. I'm going to call it an Andre Leon Talley tribute. That's what I'm going to call it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. You can call it that. (laughs) She she is is traipsing through the snow, like, um, Mm -hmm. you know, like like all, you know, classic R&B videos from the 90s, Mm -hmm. uh, holding her lover's hand. All of the, like, the, um, the, sorry, all the necklaces and, like, crucifixes, like, um, dangling over her chest like Madonna's like like a prayer yeah, cover. You know, it's gorgeous. Coronation jewels. She put on her jewelry just to go to the bodega. She really did. <laughs> <laughs> she, she and ASAP Rocky are on their way. They're marching through the streets of New York City. And I don't know if you guys remember this, but the very first music video that Rihanna and ASAP Rocky did together was actually for Fashion Killer in 2013. That was mm. also Virgil Abloh's first music video that mm. he directed. And I wonder if any of them at that moment just could could tell that in the next 10 years it was going to be a little baby between the two of them Mm. um but also another side keep it fuck you rihanna because now this is making me want to get pregnant and i'm not a a mogul and a billionaire and i don't have time for that right now my (laughs) career is just about to start so stop but it was it was a it's just a beautiful thing to open rihanna's internet and see rihanna's baby so Mm. i've heard a lot of this actually that seeing rihanna pregnant like makes people be like wait is it my turn now like we, we, it's weirdly we go like to her seeing your as, aunt, yeah, yes, uh-huh. seeing your auntie or your big sister getting pregnant, and it reminds it reminds you of the passage of time, and it's like, damn. Well, if it's her, it's soon got to be me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it looks fun. She makes it look cute. I love the reveal. I want to give a piggyback off of your keep it to the people who there's always got to be a contrarian. Um, take on the internet right and people were making simple jokes about like damn we're never going to get that album right i want to say keep it to the people who wanted to make these screeds um that are like y'all are out here demanding rihanna uh make an album but she decided to find happiness in another lane and that's what you all need to do as well (laughs) i'm like why does hustle and grind culture always have to find a way to make everything about them (laughs) every single thing is about them rihanna deciding to have a baby and not releasing her album does not mean you need to write an an essay about how we've been demanding an album from her and she decided to find happiness where she truly wants it p5 i'm here to capitalist come also it's like you figured (laughs) also it's like you figured out nobody wants rihanna to be happy you know like right nailed it yeah (laughs) 
Yeah, well, anyway, I've been working out a bad joke about her last project being anti-life and this one being pro-life. And that's it. And <laughs> we can move forward. You, you tell us how that comes together on the marker board. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Lewis, what's yes. your keep it? Um, uh, somewhat micro keep it. It's not It's not to RuPaul's Drag Race in general, just to this last episode where it was Night of a Thousand JLo's. Okay, a few things happened that discouraged <laughs> me. One, JLo showed up in a, a pre-taped video where she pretended to be talking to the queens and then they had to be excited about it, which is like awful The TV. editing in that scene yeah. was was wild. Yeah. Also, <laughs> just like screaming at a video. We're like not children. It's so strange. But... Um, the challenge is to like toast one of JLo's iconic looks. And can I tell you something? These queens got so fucking boring with it. Um, everybody took like JLo's quote unquote iconic looks from things like, I, I, I don't know, like award shows you've totally forgotten about. And mm -hmm. every single one of these looks was simply an event appropriate look for an award show. It wasn't, yeah. there was no wit in what anybody chose. I know I've brought up these episodes time and again. But when they did like the Night of a Thousand Madonnas, I think the second time, when Valentina did the look where you, she's dressed as naked hitchhiking Madonna on the side of the road and like the clothes, quote unquote clothes she's wearing are the censorship bars over her breasts and pelvis. That to me is like drag. That's like funny. It's a point of view. It's an iconic Madonna look. You're adding something to it by making it into drag. And here it really confronted me with what I think a problem about Drag Race that the, the show is continuously trying to solve, which is they want polished, rich looking looks, except that's also sometimes not drag. So when you get like mm. a great looking dress that happens to look like an old JLo look, I don't know that I'm watching drag anymore. I'm just watching somebody who acquired a good dress. Yeah, I like I hate to be one of those people now, but like even watching this week's episode, I was like, damn, they really don't do anything in the workroom anymore, do they? You no, know? exactly. Like, right. Mm -hmm. They they're just, they're just picking from dresses that they've already brought there, and it's like the when you used to watch people have to construct something for a challenge, it was fun. And right. and I know I that's liked, not like really the assignment of drag necessarily, and it's a lot to ask of queens to put together a look every week. But man, like just coming in with one queen straight up had the uh, like the 20th anniversary of the green Versace dress that she wore at some recent runway thing, and it's like. So you just have the money to acquire this dress? Like, that's drag? Yeah, or the connections, you know? Yeah, it's connections, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, clearly the connections, because Carrie Colby was like, uh, I can't get this ruined. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. She was forced <laughs> really to lip sync and she didn't move in it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, which, and I thought she totally lost that lip sync by not trying to do anything with the dress. But, you know, they weren't going to get rid of um, one of the most gorgeous queens I've ever seen in my life. Totally. Um, I liked Willow Pill's interpretation. Man, uh, Willow Pill, he, yeah. very funny. Very funny. Yeah, very mm -hmm. funny, but not even a single look from one of like JLo's videos either. Right. But the pics were wild. I'm like, <laughs> there there are iconic JLo looks like in music videos that yeah. you could have picked. Where's the Kangle hat? Yeah. Where's the yeah. uh, you know or, or just like where's the fly girl look? Where's the everyone just straight up went with like mm. things you can like find on mm. E online, you know? I would have loved like an interpretation of like um you know, the um, Jenny from the block, you know, like paparazzi after her. That would have probably been a bit like the Valentina thing. But yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and you mentioned the JLo video that was in the beginning of it, like the pre-recorded thing that she was uh, interacting with the queens with. I get that it's COVID now and like you still want to have like celebrities, but I don't 
it's not interesting to me watching like Scarlett Johansson or Anne Hathaway like zooming into an episode of television that you're filming. At least Anne truly interacted with them. Like she took yeah. their questions. But like this JLo thing, I mean, it may as well have been a hologram from, you know, 100 years in the future or something. <laughs> <laughs> Ira, uh, what is your keep it this week? My keep it, um, you know, goes to this entire um, Spotify versus Joe Rogan drama. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It is quite ongoing. It, it is. And I mean, and listen. I have gotten paychecks from Spotify. Mm-hmm. This podcast is released on Spotify. I've seen it. I don't though. hate. I don't hate Spotify. <laughs> I don't hate Spotify contractually, but I <laughs> okay. would say. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just find it very funny, everyone who has, like, a defense of Joe Rogan's, um, like, you know, like, misinformation or whatever. It always goes to this insane level. Uh, Like, there's one argument that people have where it's, uh, he's an interviewer. So what you really don't like is people, you know, like, that he interviews, you know? And it's censorship and et cetera. And whatever side you fall on it, it's really that debate again where, like, people are defining what censorship is in a way that is not censorship. Um, deciding like where you want your music to be or like how you want to spend your dollars isn't censorship. It's literally mm-hmm. capitalism. Mm-hmm. It's the free market. <laughs> and that is the system that we've built up in America. But they hate it when you actually use that system to use it, do, utilize to, it, to, yeah. to, to utilize it, you know? So conservatives hate that. And I also, did... I can't even call him a conservative. Right. He's not one. Mm-mm. He's a librarian. No, when you <laughs> when you wear t-shirts that tight, you, you you can't. When you wear t-shirts that tight, you can't be all the way Republican. It's just true. Um, you know, and, and he doesn't consider himself one. And it's um, it's also just so uncomfortable to me because, as I said last week, you know, like I I started finding this man attractive. No, that you would drag this that's up fair. again. Well, I, okay, thank you, fair. Aida. I missed this, Ira. I'm back. The Joe Rogan <laughs> apologist is in the building. Oh I've God. been silent for thus long. Listen, he's cute. He's not ugly. He's not hideous. Oh. I, I he's not hideous. Here's the thing though with Joe Rogan. I think he takes he takes too many like biodiverse vitamins to be dumb. I don't <laughs> think that he's a stupid person. I think he takes I think that the people that come on that he allows in in the effort to um like support free speech, he ends up allowing a lot of dumbass fucking people to come on his podcast and say a lot of dumbass fucking things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's He's Pirelli yeah, so, from Sweeney Todd, okay? He is he is selling he is allowing people to come or he is letting people he's actually not the snake oil salesman. He is giving snake oil salesmen a platform to sell their snake oil and making exactly. money off of that. You have oh. to be very smart to do this. And I'm getting nightmare alley vibes from this. Yes. Mm. Mm. And Ira wants his miracle elixir. Talk about that. Girl, I would. <laughs> are you kidding? Are you kidding me? I when I was watching news radio as a kid, he mm. was one of the hottest men he on was TV very, to he me. Was very he hot. was so fucking hot. And I also with or without and, hair. With he was no, so with, fucking with hot. Or without yeah, yeah. Hair. Oh yeah. At the uh, time with, but even now. Yeah. And I what's I also want to say that uh I was having drinks with someone and I brought up Joe Rogan uh, being on news radio. Uh 
and being and being like a comedian as yeah. well. And they had yeah, no he's con- not a they funny had, comedian. Wait, but they had no concept that he was a comedian or had been like an actor before. Oh, and they, the host. Oh, like, yeah, Fear I remember my shock so, so, when I found out he yeah. hosted Fear Factor. Yeah. That was caught on Keep It. <laughs> yes, right. Yes, you know, like so. I just want like, is he only just like a podcast host to people now? Probably, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. certainly. Except oh. for the older people who go and see a stand-up, which, I, you know what, I can admit, is not funny. I laughed at some of Triggered, but I was like, you know, this is this is dumb comedy. Wait, which reminds me, yeah. this this is an offshoot conversation. A friend of ours uh, was talking with this young friend, we our, our new young friend we have, and he invited my friend, who is also a Jeopardy alum, over to watch Jeopardy. Okay, he goes, after Jeopardy, there's this show on that's just like Wordle. Was this man talking about Wheel of Fortune? You will not oh, be defining no. Wheel of Fortune through Wordle. How Absolutely. Young? <laughs> Probably like 25. So it's like oh, it's God. right behind No, it. there's no excuse. I know. There's no fucking excuse and not a Wheel of Fortune. I have a 1989 TV guy with Vanna White on it, and I cannot wait to throw it at him. I am so excited. <laughs> mm. So those anyway, are, children some, don't know. Those will be some really good paper cuts. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ni- 1989, 1989 paper? Yeah, <laughs> that shit. That shit was heavy. Yeah, <laughs> I had to explain the, the yellow pages to a young child the other day. Oh. So I said something like, "Let your fingers do the walking," and they're like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Oh, like, oh god. Yeah, people barely know slogans anymore. People. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. I think there was some thread about the yellow pages when people were talking about um, J.K. Rowling being "quote unquote" doxed, uh, by just people protesting outside of her home. And someone was like, I would like to remind you people of the yellow pages where you could just literally look up anyone's number and address. <laughs> and I abused it. <laughs> Dire- I love the directory. I love finding a crush on a directory. It is wild that we literally used to know where, like, like how to contact anyone. Oh, yeah. And how to find them. Yeah. Why was that available to us? What did we were strange? We, we were an innocent time. That's what was going on. Yeah. Um, Anyway, um, those are my thoughts. And, you know, I'm not pulling shit from Spotify because I'm not Brene Brown. Uh-uh. <laughs> it, did, okay. I, it, it was amusing to me that it was uh, uh, famous Canadians initially. It was Neil Young and Joni <laughs> Mitchell. Was, was. I was like, go off Anne Murray. Attack Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> I didn't get off Netflix when Monique told me to do it. So I don't know why y'all's little white drama is going to affect <laughs> me listening to my playlist. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I just don't think we deserve net neutrality and some safeguards need to be put up and we'll get there when we get there. I think there needs to be someone in the Bureau of whatever of information listening to every Joe Rogan podcast and deciding which parts can be uploaded. That's it. It should George be Taylor R- Swift. <laughs> <laughs> but she's going to get to this podcast first. <laughs> right. I love George Orwell advocate Aida Osmond on here. <laughs> what am I saying? It's very, it's giving Ayn Rand. <laughs> uh, you know what's anyway, crazy read too? Anthem. I, Bye, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. I was talking to someone really young about Ayn Rand too, you know, and they only remember her um, mm. from Sex in the City. Right. <laughs> They didn't even know she was an author. <laughs> and this is it's very wordle. It's giving wordle again. All right, that's our show. Yeah. Thank you to Moses Sumney for being here. Allegedly, we will all be back next week again. All right, fingers mm-hmm. crossed. Keep it as back, y'all, and don't forget to rate and review the show. Um, it's really helpful to us, you know. Um, so go and do it. <laughs>
Yeah, get out there, you Pauline Kales. Rate us, review Come us. <laughs> we have to be doing better on the charts than Joe Rogan. Yeah, please. Please, thank you. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Keep It is a Crooked Media production. Our senior producer is Kendra James. Our producer is Caroline Rustin. And our associate producer is Brian Semmel. Our executive producer is Ira Madison III. But I, Louis Fertel, do a good job too. Our audio engineers are Charlotte Landis and Kyle Seglin, and the show is mixed and edited by Charlotte Landis. Thank you to our digital team, Matt DeGroot, Nar Melkonian, and Milo Kim for production support every week. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Nike, Walmart, and Zappos. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you can get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N.